Welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. I'm Malachi Greb, host of the Manufacturing Come Up. And today we have a special guest from A3. Alex, how is it going? It's going well. How are you? Great to be here. Doing well. Can you pronounce your last name for us? Sure. So it's Shikani with a hard A. No, I do have relatives who say Shikani. So it's kind of like tomato, tomato, depending on <laughs> which pocket of the family you're in. So Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I try to avoid mentioning last names that are even slightly confusing yeah. or first names. Like if it's not like Alex, Smith, yeah. Steve, you know? Yep. Absolutely. I know how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. So we're glad to have you on today. Yeah, it's um, great to be here. It was great to see you in Boston last month, uh, you know, at the Vision Show, the Mass Robotics event. Uh, yeah. And I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So let's go ahead and uh, dive into your history, your backstory. Obviously, right now you've reached a great point in your career as, uh, you know, working with A3, one of the biggest associations in the automation space, manufacturing space, um, and have been there over 10 years now. So if you would, I guess, just give us a quick brief description of, of how that is for you. Yeah, it's great. I love working for A3. I love being in this industry, uh, dealing with our members. So like you mentioned, I just rolled over 10 years and we were talking before this. It's like, does not feel like 10 years. It, it's the time has really flown by, but there's been a lot that's happened in the industry in that time. And uh, I really like working for A3 because number one, it's a great group of people. And I mentioned to you, we're growing. So we're adding like 10 new positions over the next year, maybe more. And um, the industry's growing. Uh, the people are fantastic. The, the amount of folks that are just willing to help or, you know, network with you and um, learn about your story, learn about the technology is, uh, it's, it's really a special place. And that's why I, I enjoy being here, uh, in, in the robotics and automation space, just the quality of people and, and what we're all working to working towards together is, um, in my view, very rewarding. So it's going yeah. well. Absolutely. I'd probably, I'd probably love to have your position. I mean, as of right now, it's like definitely being able to nerd out and talk about tech and automation <laughs> and manufacturing and then, oh, yeah. The second side of that is like the networking, like a huge part of what you guys do is like coordinating, getting getting people together. So um, yeah. and for those who don't know, uh, they host Automate, which is like one of the biggest automation shows of the of our industry. And so, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a good it's an interesting mix, right? Because you have this awesome technology, like pretty much second to none in terms of the cool factor in the world yeah. today with robotics and vision and software and all this AI and, and everything. So you have that aspect that you get to work on. But then to your point, the people side of things, it's still very much a people business. And you yeah. mentioned to automate and we, you know, record attendance it was a phenomenal event for us going back next year to Detroit. So like you get the people side too. And, and I really like both being someone who's not an engineer, you know, in manufacturing, it's, uh, it's good to get that commingling of the technology and also the people side. So I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So take us back into your past. Uh, when when did you kind of see yourself, uh, you know, coming into this industry? Did you see it at all? And and at what age did you start to think about career? Yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's interesting because I mentioned I didn't I didn't have like a background in, in manufacturing or robotics, though my dad was an engineer at General Motors and he mm -hmm. bought me a super armatron articulating robot arm that actually on LinkedIn, I saw somebody post about like maybe the first industrial robot arm or whatever. It was a toy I had back in the early nineties. Uh, still have it here in the house. My son likes to play with it. 
it's noisy as, as heck, right? It's just it's the noisiest toy ever because <laughs> the little motors moving. Everywhere. But but so I have liked technology and I would go to work and, and my dad would take me in and I'd see what they were doing at General Motors. They were forming clay vehicles and, you know, they had automation there and everything at the uh, uh, at the tech center. So I did like it. But in school, I was more on the people side. I was more like interested in, you know, I was good at math. So I, I liked the finance aspect and like um, marketing kind of stuff. I was more people oriented. So I didn't really go in that direction. Um, so so coming up through school, I was I was always exposed to it and, and enjoyed it, but decided to go into school for more of a marketing type of role and, and rolled finance into that and how I got to 83, I was like, I was at college, uh, Michigan State. I got a shout out Michigan State. If you know me, I got my like, I got the Spartan logo back here. So I, I have to at least mention it one and once in the conversation, go green. But, uh, you know, Michigan State, I was going into marketing and finance, doing all this stuff, thought I wanted to be a lawyer for a while. And then, you know, as you do, as you get through college, you're like, it's not really going to be for me. So uh, started looking at getting out and work and getting some experience and that's actually after undergrad when I had my first experience with trade shows. I was, uh, I did a, about a year of of designing and uh, implementing, like uh, booths at trade shows, basically. So I got to see like that aspect, what went into it, the design, and why you made certain decisions, and then got to see it all come together when the show went off with a huge success, and and that was cool. But um, you know, it was a difficult time. It was like two thousand nine, ten time frame. So I decided after that to go back to grad school. And that's when, back to MSU. And then when when I was coming out of my MBA program in 2012, that's when Jeff Bernstein, uh, I guess, got my resume from one of our activities through the school and, and contacted me about, we're looking for a director of uh, market analysis at the association. We, we like your background. And are you willing to talk to some board members and interview? And, and so I did. And the rest is, is history. I've been here for uh, 10 years <laughs> since. So yeah here we are yeah, I, I knew whenever you was talking about you like math and you like people yeah. there's gonna be some type of marketing analyst yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so it, it was a good fit and it's been a good fit so it's exciting yeah that's pretty great so whenever you came into the the company i guess what were some of your uh initial roles yeah so i shadowed uh, a man uh named paul kellett who was our director of business and uh market analysis at that time. He, he was doing the quarterly statistics and, and the annual uh, reports for, for the machine vision industry. And so I shadowed him for a good deal of time, you know, maybe three to six months, something like that. And then he retired and I took over his uh, activities and I've been doing the quarterly statistics. I still do them, uh, it, you know, market analysis, talking about the industry and all of that. We've added to the program over time. Um, so, so really that's how I got involved. But then, you know, Everyone who works at A3, anyone watching this knows that like we all wear a lot of hats and we we play to our strengths and we give folks opportunities, which is why I think it's a great place to work. And I was afforded the opportunity to take on more responsibility in terms of uh, board leadership, um, you know, committee leadership, uh, membership activities, which is part of my job now, you know, making sure our members are happy and we're delivering on our promise to them. And then, of course, the marketing as of late. I've been doing more with our marketing team, super talented marketing team. As we were talking, we're on this podcast right now, the landscape for communication, content being king, that that's all so important. So, uh, so yeah, just kind of rolled up more responsibility in and got to touch different areas of the organization. 
It's awesome. So whenever whenever you went through the 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 process of joining A3, what were what did like the interview look like for that? Yeah, it was a couple in person interviews. So I met with uh, Paul Kellett first, I think. Then I met with Jeff Bernstein. Uh, maybe both of them. I can't remember in one interview. But a couple in-person interviews, and then uh, I spoke with some board members who are actually uh, I still know well today. I've known them for a long time. You know, they vetted me. They uh, they they asked questions about my background, about my fit and my aspirations and everything like that. And so it, it consisted of uh, an in-person component, but also it's important that we get the support of, of uh, you know, our volunteers, our, our leadership as well. So I spoke with uh, some board members on that front. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, do, do you think there was any one particular thing that kind of landed you the position? Well, certainly it was because I was from Michigan State and Jeff Bernstein <laughs> being a go blue guy. I, I actually think that worked against me. No, <laughs> it's all in good fun. But, you know, I don't know. The one thing. I don't know if there's one thing. I mean, it, it did just kind of feel like a good fit. I, I was looking for an organization that was, you know, I had done done my internship at a large corporation um, during M my MBA program, and I wasn't really sure that that was a good fit for what I was looking for. So I was I was kind of in the market for the a smaller company, a company of smaller medium size. And so I think for me, I was very interested in that aspect. I really liked the technology, uh, so I was you know passionate about it. And like I said, I, I enjoy doing the mathematical side of things, the finance side of things. And that was certainly a need for the organization with Paul Kellett retiring. So I, I think probably my skill set there and my experience with uh, with uh, Belden in um, Richmond the previous summer during my MBA program, which I think at one point they were a member of the association. So I think that was maybe a tie to to my experience that that probably was attractive to, to A3. Gotcha. Yeah, and so I think it's very important too that you mentioned like a, a good fit, right? Like a lot of people, I think maybe when they get out of school, they don't even necessarily think about a good fit. They just think about like, how can I get a job? It, you know, I think you're probably a little bit different because you have like an MBA. So like I could see like somebody like you maybe a little bit more mapped out on like maybe a career path or some idea of like what you want to do. Uh, but I think especially more so on those like two-year associate degree type of individuals. Like, sure. A lot of those guys are going to the going or girls are going to uh, school to get a degree to just make more money, right? Or or just have a means of living, and uh, they're they're just trying to find a job, right? They're not necessarily mm -hmm. thinking about what's a good fit for them. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, maybe they're thinking about pay only. Maybe maybe they're thinking that they just can't get a job really. And you know, even for myself, I I got really really lucky in the sense of like. I landed a job with a systems integrator at the beginning of my college career. And I was essentially, yeah. I wasn't even interning. I was just like full-time employee while going through uh, my industrial automation program. And, uh, you know, that was like super impactful in, in me being able to like see what I wanted to do. But like mm -hmm. the other thing in my mind, I was really, I still didn't know what I would do career wise. Like if I, if I, if I wanted to shift and, and even sure. there, like, uh, I can say like a small mistake of what I did in my career is like, maybe I stayed at that company too long uh, mm -hmm. because of like their partially their size. They were, they were at their largest, I think like maybe 15 employees. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and another thing was, is like 
really everybody at the company was like way underpaid for, for industry standards. I like, mm-hmm. I, I could almost say that I was, I was paid like $5 an hour under what industry standard was my entire career, no matter what mm-hmm. position I was in. Right. And so reflecting back on that, I could have potentially maybe found something that was a better fit, right? Maybe I should have done a career shift and, and found uh, something that was just maybe just better ecosystem, better working culture. Um, but on the other hand, I had something inside of me and especially later on in my, my career, like after I was like within maybe like six years or something, I was like, you know what? Like I understand that I'm making way less than other people are making doing the exact same thing I'm doing. But the one thing that I'm getting here that nobody else can get is experience exposure because there are so many holes within the company, like especially on, like the engineering side of things like with like, electrical engineering or, you know, electrical engineering, really all engineering facets. Right. But, uh, it opened up opportunities for me where there was like not somebody to do this job. So as somebody who was like a controls engineer, I was like, okay, whatever, I'll do the electrical engineering as well. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll do, I'll do the risk assessments as well. You don't have somebody to do them. I'll do them. Right. And, uh, so I went through those processes of learning those different things, getting certificates in those different things. And, uh, even though maybe this company may not have necessarily been the best choice for the best fit, I kind of came to a realization that uh, me sacrificing that time, dedicating that time towards, you know, a a, a job that opened up all these different opportunities. Mm Because there's a lot of companies that you go like systems integrator, the big dogs, you go in as a PLC programmer. A lot of times you're just a PLC programmer, right? You're just Mm -hmm. a robot programmer. and you're just an electrical engineer. And whereas you can get good at those skills, sometimes you miss that ability to see the full scope of things. And yeah. in reality, probably brought me to be able to become a business owner, right? There were so mm-hmm. many different things that I got thrown at and got to experience and just be able to just pick up new things, right? Now, after like picking up so many different new things, I'm like, okay, what 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 is it to learn this one other thing, right? Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you, you hit a good point there about like depth of expertise and breadth of experience, right? So yeah. there is a, a happy medium, a balance that you need to strike, not only as the person looking for employment, but as the employer, as someone who's designing jobs. Because yeah. in today's world, with you know, mobility, with I would I would venture to say at the current moment, the the leverage is more with the workforce with the folks looking for positions we've heard about you know news stories about you know the great uh, resignation and things with covid kind of upending a lot of the way that we work and it's forcing a lot of employers ourselves included to look at how are we going to structure the work going to structure the position offer a work environment and a culture that's attractive to the people we want to bring in and you know, it's not as simple necessarily. It's just saying, well, here's this one job that has this one task or this, you know, this de- you're just going to do this all the time. That, you know, in my experience, that's not what folks want. That's not what brings fulfillment. It certainly wasn't in my case. Uh, one of the things I value, as I mentioned earlier, was the fact I got to wear a lot of hats and get experience in a lot of areas of the organization. So, yeah, I think you hit on a very good point. But but back to your first, the very first point you made, it's not always something that's top of mind for someone who's in school, like looking, either trying to find that early employment or in school looking for that next step, right? You often yeah. get lured in by the 
the pay and the, the benefit package and everything like that, or the name of the company and everything like that. So it's just, it's very individual dependent. Of course, everyone's got different circumstances, but it's certainly a topic worth discussing. Yeah, absolutely. How did you find like your, uh, you know, wearing the multiple hats? I mean, you're still kind of in that position of wearing multiple hats, right? Mm -hmm. or, yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you think, do you feel like in your career has that narrowed down much? You know, it's actually, I would say it's, it's gotten broader, but in a good way. Right. So, so my responsibilities since I started have actually grown and, and I'm, I'm currently wearing multiple hats as others in the organization, many others, if not everyone is, but I would say given our, our circumstance being a, a smaller company, 25 current employees, you know, looking to grow to 35, um, it's a positive thing. It's, you know, of course it comes with its challenges, right? You're, you're marching against a really busy event or a important event coming up and, you know, you, you have to focus on certain areas at certain times, but the exposure you get and the, just the skills that you add and you can, you can improve in yourself, at least in me, like I, I wasn't, you know, I had training and marketing and everything like that, but I've learned a tremendous amount from the people I work with here that have experiences doing other things more deeply than I do. So working so closely with them, even being responsible for ultimately for, for, you know, that function is, has really offered me uh, an ability to grow. And it's not just the internal folks. It's also the people on our boards and stuff. I mean, there's a wealth of experience in this industry to soak in. And that goes back to the, the importance of the in-person connections and networking and, and, you know, building. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Somebody that's definitely like on a marketing side that's going to get into this industry. I mean, really, I think marketing side that gets into any any industry that a lot of your yeah. your 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 college marketing. Mm -hmm. I don't. I mean, the the concepts and the thoughts. It's going to be like engineering, right? Like the theories behind behind it will always be there, no matter where you go, and no matter what the platform is. But there's like a lot of like marketing degrees that are just not going to be up to speed with what's happening today. Cause like right. you can't even, you know, what curriculum probably really talks about like TikTok. There's people, mm -hmm. it probably won't be in a book. Right. Because like they right. haven't really rewrote the book to, to include a TikTok in it. Right. Um, and those landscapes are moving so quickly that uh, a lot of that stuff you can only learn from, from real life. Yeah. And living it to your point, like you have to, you almost have to live it. You have to have a passion for it. And I haven't, I haven't seen the marketing curriculums of today in school. Like, so I can't really speak to specifically what they're teaching. They may yeah. throw a TikTok up there and like go through and say, Hey, look at how great this TikTok is. So maybe yeah. uh, reach out to me if that's the case. I'd love to learn more about it. But, um, yeah. but to your point, you know, you, you have to build that, you have to be passionate about it and you have to build that foundation of like, okay, this is where I'm launching off from. And yeah, something new might come up, but I have the understanding of how to attack it or what concepts, you know, are laying the groundwork so that I can roll that in and then, oh, we can use that, you know, and, and, yeah. and really run. But to your point about demand, I mean, I mean, come on, our, our industry in particular is is coming up right now, not to, you know, manufacturing come up. So the namesake <laughs> of your podcast, but like it's coming up in that regard right now. You're seeing companies, you're seeing, you know, associations get into the webinar. We've been in the webinar game, but is webinar the best way you mentioned TikTok, reels social media is so important it you have to be you have to be savvy with your content it's it's an absolutely critical piece yeah absolutely i mean one thing that i see with with companies that uh that i kind of 
is, is concerning. And I, I think they need a shift, right? Is like, you know, you mentioned the webinar. Is a webinar really worth it? I think, yes. I think the deployment of the webinar is not being extracted at its fullest, right? So like if you host a webinar on, yeah, on, on your, your private uh, page or something like that, private mm -hmm. invite, then sure, do that. Cool. I think that should still happen. But can you also at the same time make it go live on other platforms? Maybe you don't tell people it's going to go live on other platforms, but go ahead and send it live on other platforms too, just so that way uh, – that way there's more eyeballs that get to see it. Like right now with this podcast, like re realistically when we launched this podcast, going live wasn't really a thought, right? We didn't really think about going live, but you know, as of right now, we're, we're launching across business, Facebook, personal Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, and so we're launching across all these different platforms that yeah. some of these platforms, we don't even post the manufacturing come up on. Right. So yeah. like, this is the only exposure those platforms are getting to this content. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned something that's important and is almost a best practice in my view now is like cutting up into shareable clip, like important clips as well. You see so many people in our space, uh, you know, in our influencers, yourself included, like folks really, really working hard at that. You can't just, it's not really just a one size fits all. Let's record this 30 minute thing and then put it here and let it live there and hope that it yeah. generates what you want it to generate. You have to be everywhere with it. You have to, you have to chop it up into little 15 segments, create reels with it, release the clips with the key takeaways, the insights you have yep. with attention spans, attention spans, man, are so mm -hmm. all of us, myself, uh, we, our attention spans have been narrowed so quickly oh, down yeah. with the amount of information yeah. that's available to us. You have to be able to capture capture them and, and keep them for just that, that brief, brief moment in time. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's, it's an important point. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah like, there's times where I'll, I'll cast up. So I'm a big YouTube person, right? Yeah, I'll cast too. up YouTube on the TV and then I'll be, I'll be scrolling YouTube shorts on my phone while the YouTube playing on the TV, you know? So like, that's definitely something to keep in mind. And also too, like people's, uh, consumption of content, like, uh, how do they like to consume content? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't think there's any right way on, on, on which is, which is the right way. Cause eyeballs are everywhere. Right. That's the thing you have to think about. And so <laughs> for us, one thing I try to focus on is I want quality to a certain standard, but after you have quality to a certain standard, I care about quantity, right? Why sure. are we not on every single platform, every single method of posting, right? Reels, uh, native, native posting. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, let's go with YouTube, right? <clears throat> YouTube, you have your shorts, you have your, your normal uh, YouTube videos. Then you have your uh, posts. You can post on YouTube now. Uh, so that's three, three pieces of content. That's just three different versions or in way, uh, ways of posting content, you mm -hmm. know, and then the strategy within that, right? Like, okay, a short is different than a micro piece of content, right? A short is, I think the limitation is like 60 seconds or less, right? Yep. But then there's also a two minute version that you could post of that same hour long uh, podcast, right? So yep. out of a podcast like this, just this one, one podcast recording, I mean, technically there could be easily a hundred pieces of content that come out of it. Or, yeah. you know, post to the different places. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. You, and, and people listen, like everyone's situation is different. Okay. For, from any, any stage of your career, some people are driving more, they listen to more audio. Some people are at their desk more, they can have YouTube and, and other videos up playing or, or whatnot. Some people are on their phones more and they're on social media and working through there. So you have to be savvy with the clips. You have to catch them. You have to have subtitles. You have to be because not everyone's clicking the video to listen to what you have to say. And not everyone reads the, the, the caption either. You know, your eye goes to the video if there's motion, if there's someone that you recognize. Right. So there are cues that we that we've kind of developed recently with the onset of social media to to latch on to. And if you're someone in our space, you're an integrator or, uh, you know, someone in automation doing that. I really do think that's an area we can get more sophisticated. We're seeing some improvements, but. You think about just the interesting stuff and just the big bucket of interesting stuff, new yeah. new products, how to deploy um, these products, solutions, you know, whatever. There's an endless list. You can do what you're advocating for. And I think correctly so on so many levels, if your companies, it's just a matter of developing the muscle memory, right? Building the skill sets within the organizations. Yeah. And, and I, I believe, frankly, this is a, more of a selfish thing, but like, I think we have a role to play in that. Actually, we have a responsibility to help the industry do that better because we're trying to rate, we're trying to be the tide that lifts all ships here. We're trying to get automation deployed on more fronts, get more users. And so we, that, that's one of the things we're focusing on. Part of the reason why we're hiring, because we can do a better job offering opportunities like that to, uh, to membership and everybody. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, like, like we talked about off camera that like, you know, really the events, the whole, the whole thing with an event is, is bringing awareness to the individuals at the event, networking, connecting, um, which is all really social media is too. It's just another version of that same thing. Um, so I think it definitely fits well in, in what you guys are already doing. And on top of that too, like, this is one thing that I like to uh, bring up is that, some people have what I would call real brand. And what I say by real brand is this comes from like somebody who's established, who's been doing things long enough, say A3, right? You guys have real brand. So one major advantage that like you guys have is like anything that you post is going to do, well, not a particular post, right? But if you started posting, right? If you started posting, let's say, for instance, the same content that I post, right? Mm -hmm. safer you're exactly mimicking what i'm doing within like a year you're you're doing like 10x better within mm -hmm. like two years maybe you're doing you know 20x better right mm -hmm. just because like you have like this group of, of real followers that you've been building up for the 10 years whereas you know elite automation is a company we're, we're three years old now so still sure. a young company really nobody knew who i was until i started started this company right mm -hmm. uh and, and really awareness has just been brought to us the past year and, 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 and true brand, right? Like if you think about like the amount of uh, projects we've executed as a company under the lead automation name, um, that's just now starting to really get fortified, right? So like yeah. as far as like true brand and getting repeat business and people who are like following us because, oh, those guys installed our project. Let's see what else they have going on, right? Yeah. Um, so there's people out there that already have real brand that uh, – can literally just produce content and 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 the thing just perform really really well because they were already doing something on another platform mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a good point 
I mean, you brand building is not an easy exercise, that's for sure. But once you get, once you do it, and your, you know, your 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 values and what you stand for come through, you know, you know, you know, your content, your messaging, and everything, and your your audience starts to to attach those things to you. You're right. It's a it's a jumping off point, a launching off point, and it's that key foundation you you carry with you. So, so I, I definitely agree with with everything you said there. It's um. And to what aspect we can help with that, of course, as you know, as we've discussed before, that's what we're here for. We're here to, to connect people and, and drive awareness. So, yeah, absolutely. I think y'all do a great job at it, too. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody that knows that, uh, you know, A3 is the host of, of Automate kind of knows that y'all are already doing big things in the industry. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> we, you know, we went through this big rebranding project. Uh, we released it last year. Uh, we were separate associations before. It was it was RIA, AIA, and MCMA, and we were driving each of those brands. We were talking about equity, right? Mm -hmm. So this whole project, we were concerned, very concerned, and cognizant of preserving the equity that we've built in those brands and not losing it. And thankfully, with the support of our boards and membership and everything, I I feel we've succeeded in that. A3 is seen as mm -hmm. as the leader in these areas and as the place for all these technologies. Uh, but it wasn't something that went, you know, it, we didn't do that lightly. It was something we we yeah. really had a lot, a lot of meetings and a lot of hours were spent on how to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> super important, especially you said, like yeah. how you built so much energy into building the previous brands. Yeah. What were, what were some of the things that were kind of strategic that you guys did to like make that shift? We, well, we, we leveraged our boards of directors, right? So we have these volunteers, a group of like uh, anywhere between 13 and 18 um, leaders in the industry for robots, uh, vision, and motion control and motors. And now we have an artificial intelligence board that has more recently been spooled up. But we leveraged them. Like, like what do we need to say to our audience? What, when do we need to say it? And how often? And, and our, our internal team who worked their butts off on this project did a good, great job of executing it, right? Taking that input from that com those committees and our board of directors and making sure we were talking and saying, you know, A3 brand uh, or, or these three brands, the ones you know and love are converging into A3. And we did that for a period of probably close to a year all told, you know, of course it accelerated towards the end in the launch of our new website, automate.org. But it was it was regular meetings. It was uh, we had these project teams for each aspect of the project, governance, membership, branding, and uh, and there might have even been another one that I'm, I'm I can't recall off the top of my head. But we had them, and they were all cross functional. Everyone in the organization had a hand in it too, which was um, it was really rewarding because everyone had buy in. Everyone was involved in the in you know their project team and, and got regular updates. So. Yeah, it was it was important, but it worked out. So thank yeah. you for that. I, I think I think you know the strategic part of that is very important to to people listening. Not, I guess maybe not as much for the manufacturing come up, but if you're in a marketing position in the industry, this is very valuable for you. Because um, like you know, and I and part of the reason why I'm digging into that question is like, say for instance, you see here or here or there. Yeah, we have the manufacturing come up. We have sponsored by and then like a small version of our logo. Can't really read it, but you can see something's there. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, you know, I, I think about these things in my mind because, like, you know, one of our ambitions is to be one of the largest companies in the world. 
And so by doing that, we have to think, we have to think a little bit out. We have to think about like next things. Right. So like one of the things that's already in my mind is like, as we grow, uh, like, you know, we have manufacturer come up sponsored by elite automation at some point in time, elite automation might just be a part of whatever the bigger thing is. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it might, I'm not gonna say get consumed by something else. And, and at some degree, I think the individual branding is important as well. Like what if, what you know what if elite automation always has its own brand like maybe elite automation gets owned by you know elite enterprises or something like that right but uh you know having how do you like how do you keep those things together as far as like uh elite automation as a company yet letting people know that elite enterprises owns that and, Mm -hmm. and then yet that like elite you know whatever other small, smaller companies that are within that, uh, that umbrella, uh, I think is important because you're, you, one thing that you'll see is some companies, they end up doing so much that it's like, you don't really know what it is that they do. Yeah, uh, yeah that's fair. That's fair. I think in today's world, it's easy to try to be everything to everyone. Yeah. It's, 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 it's alluring. You want, you want to be, you see someone succeeding over here, you're in this business or this line of work and you have these missions and goals and, and aspirations, but you see this shiny object over here and you, you know, you, you want to do it. So you try to be everything to everyone. And, and the risk in that is you lose who you are. You lose, you lose your core competency, your values. Right. And so in my opinion, double down, never losing sight of who you are, as a person, but also as an organization, right? What what is your, what's your core value, right? Mm -hmm. For, for A3, we're the trusted advice. You mentioned this earlier. We're the trusted advisor for the world on automation technologies. We're positioned as that. You, you can trust us. You said, you said it, we're going back to 1974. We've been around, we have over 1100 member companies. We are, you can trust us. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of information, some good, some bad, but you know, if you're coming to us, you're getting, you're getting it right from the source. You're yep. getting it from the organization. So we roll that into everything that we do. We, we try to get that into our content, our volunteers. We try to you know position them in, in positions of thought leadership in, in many cases instead of ourselves, because yep. that we know that foundation is what we want to back. We want to grow. And you're in the same position. You're building this brand. You're three years in. You have customers. You're growing your audience. But to your point, as you expand, you never want to lose that. Yeah. What's your core? What makes you who you are? And yep. why did people follow me in the first place? Why did people come to and, and, and work with us in the first place? Okay. Yep. And and there's a voice of the customer in there. You have to be in communication with them. You have to understand when you're not fulfilling your promises and everything. But yeah, it's a I think in today's world, like I said, it's it's easy to to want to be everything. Oh, I can do that for you. I can do this for you, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it's better to just know when to say no, or I have this partner over here who does it really well. You should go talk to them. We work with them all the time, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there also is so many like dynamics to that as well, as far as like one, like you got to hold, you, you got to know what the, the core uh, focus and purpose is of what your organization is trying to do. And then, you know, if you go to take it to like marketing, you know, you have to make sure that the content you're creating sometimes somehow points to that same thing, right? Because if you start making content about this and about that and, and even talking about different things, right? 
that's that's you know something that I'm trying to figure out now is like what are the things that I want to talk about and I kind of want almost avoid talking about other things right so that way when people see me they see this is this guy talks about blah dot 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 right sure. uh, and that's like more of on a personal brand but uh, and then all, us as a company right we've really shifted how how the things that we're talking about uh, where like you know we started off as a material handling company now we're dove way deep into to robotic welding and fixture design, stuff like that. Um, and, and so that was a whole marketing shift right now. Now we just, we're like, I'm not saying we're not, we're definitely doing material handling applications. Right. But we're mm -hmm. ignoring the marketing aspect of it to, to a degree. Maybe it'll be like 10, 20% of what, what we output marketing wise, but everything's gonna be driven 80% towards like this, uh, the, the robotic welding side of things. So that, that was in a, in a sense, a rebrand, right? It was a, mm -hmm. a shift to what people see and what they see us as. And uh, so, you know, that that's huge. And then like the next thing that's huge is like internally, right? What are the, what are the people uh, of the company? What do, what do they see the company as? Right. Because if you have, if you have, you know, Sally Sue that thinks this about the company and, and Billy Joe thinking this about the company, right. Then things, everybody's mind is in so many different places that, Really, none. Nobody's working together to, to create this one particular idea together. Yeah, culture culture is so important. It's so important. Um, it, you know, it's almost as important to drive home the value of what you're doing every day and and what your team is doing every day to to each other to the organization. It's almost equally as important as it is to, to do it outwardly to your customers. Uh, because yep. you're right. If you lose that, if you lose. People, you know, people don't see it anymore. They don't believe in it. Um, you know, it, it, it impacts your business. It impacts that, yeah. you know, what you're what you're putting forward towards your customers. So I think that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, absolutely. I think. And like you said, too, like it's almost more important internally. And I do agree with that 100 percent, because like if, if you can if you can do it internally, then the rest of the members will will uh, cast it out to, to the world. You know, so, yeah, like, you know, it's interesting. I can't remember a few years back. I, I kind of looked into this a little bit. I don't remember where, but it's the story of Southwest Airlines. You know, at the time, it was an interesting case study because at the time it was like your customer is always right. That was the kind of the basis for this case study. And Southwest, in in their kind of reimagination of their business, flipped it to be, well, we're going to actually back our employees. You know, we're going to invest in our employees and our, our employees and. And, and put employees first, which was like at the time you're, you were thinking to yourself, oh, this is madness, like the industry, you know, and, and it's up to, for debate, of course, still. But what you saw after that when they did that was Southwest employees getting on planes, doing big pomp and circumstances, unique things with the seatbelt and the instructions and everything and making it more of a, an experience mm -hmm. for their customers. And they loved it. People who flew Southwest absolutely loved it. They ate it up. They talked about it. They told their friends about it. You know, the employees were happy and smiling. And it was just yeah. such a change from what the experience was elsewhere. And it worked really well for Southwest because that came through their employees to, to the point you just made. It came through in their day to day and how they were conducting themselves in their interactions with the customers. And I do think there's merit to that. Now, now it's a, it was a strategic choice to do it so black and white, right? To do it so deliberately and forwardly. But in, in their case, in that instance, it worked. And I do think there's lessons to be learned from it, uh, you know, in our space and, and if you're trying to build and grow a business. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What are, I guess, so now that, now that you guys are, uh, are, are focusing on bringing, uh, more people onto your organization, I mean, what is that like almost a 30 or yeah, 30% growth? What's, uh, yeah. what do you guys have in store next? Yeah, well, we're, you know, obviously automate is on the calendar for next year, May 22 to 25. So we have long-term goals we're, we're looking to, to accomplish. We know that the industry has needs and we want to make sure we're in a position to deliver it again as that trusted advisor. And so growing the team is probably the most critical por portion of doing that, getting the, getting the right folks who want to be here, who have the skill sets to help us in areas like education and business intelligence and events and, and membership development and things like that. So that's the current environment we're in. But we know that there are opportunities out there for uh, more expanded, more available certification programs to help the workforce development side of things. There, We know that the market is in need of good intelligence, so statistics and deeper statistics that we don't currently have, information on new markets, information on potential customers. We know there's a need for that, and it's a it's a wild west of if you go buy a study, is it going to be good or is it going to be you know something that's not not very useful to me? So as the trust advisor, again, that's the decisions we're making on hiring are going to help help us uh, build those teams internally to then generate the output for our membership and for the industry. So, you know, I mentioned those areas briefly there through kind of the, the things we're looking to build, but it's really, it's, it's multi-pronged. It's, it's events, it's membership value, and it's, um, you know, it's content and uh, education. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, one thing I want to point out too, for like our viewers that, you know, somebody who or a company going through that high of a percentage of growth generally has uh that that number of growth because there's some new thing that they're wanting to target right there's some new strategy some new focus some new uh it could be anything department whatever right so Point being with that is, is like if you can find out what that is as an employee and tap into that and 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 see that vision that like somebody applying for this job here could come to you guys and and already have an understanding of that alignment to uh, you know prepare themselves for the interview, but also to prepare themselves for the vision of of what the, what's going on in this new hiring process. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good advice. I mean. <laughs> preparing, preparing for an interview, doing your due diligence, uh, trying to understand as much about the organization you're looking to join as possible. That's critical. I mean, that's that's a cornerstone of a successful interview. Absolutely. But you, your point about is someone who's looking to get employed in any job, bringing your vision as it matches up to what you perceive as you may not have all the pieces in place. Maybe there's not like a public statement of our company strategy yes. for the next five years is, is this, but yeah. if you are able to glean what they're working on and what the important things are to in that interview showcase what you could bring by painting a picture, right? You know, it, it, it's powerful. I, I've been in interviews where that's happened and you know, I remember them. I, I, they stick, they stick in my mind. So I think that's, yeah. that's sage advice. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, like say for instance, like people who have like companies that have public figures, like let's mm -hmm. say for instance, like a three, right. 
you you find A3 uh, on LinkedIn. You see the employees that work for A3. Okay, you see people who maybe are posting on LinkedIn and, and maybe they're sharing podcasts that they were on or or something like that, right? Or just going to Google, typing in Alex, you know, going uh, uh, going to podcast uh, platforms and typing in the name, right? And you know, it, if we were to type in your name and and we see ten different podcasts that you appear on, right? Mm-hmm. Go through and watch all ten of those podcasts. Listen to all ten of those podcasts and and get like a good understanding of who you are, what the company is, right? Like that's mm-hmm. one big thing that like people can get a major, major insight. Cause like, you know, I don't know how many different public figures you guys have that are doing podcasts and doing different things. But I mean, if you can capture you, you just yours alone, but then three other people, you might mm-hmm. get a really good insight on what's going on yeah. within the company and, and, uh, and be really prepared for, for, for that interview process. Yeah, it, I think that's really good. Uh, I, I do think that it's important to do your research. And I think that, you know, we uh, uh, pretty much a lot of folks at A3 are involved in, and do uh, media podcasts. Certainly our president, Jeff Bernstein, is out there in, in front of the media and, and doing mm-hmm. podcasts as well. I do a fair amount myself. But it's I think, frankly, you on this podcast are supplying something that is unique in that when I was preparing for it, when you, what, what you sent me, you're really focused on the story of the individual and like the, the, what drives you. And you're asking questions that frankly, I don't get very often. So, so because I don't get these questions often, you know, I get questions about the technology. I get questions about, you know, I get questions about all number of things related to automation, the markets and and everything. But so kudos to you in terms of attacking a gap in my perception of, of where there may be, there's kind of a, a void in, in the context. So, yeah, Thank you. I think that's Thank important. Really appreciate, that. really appreciate that. I mean, you know, I tell people like this selfishly, I, I did the podcast because I, I was that individual who like graduated from college and didn't really, I, I just said I graduated from college and did a lot of just going to do. I didn't even know what I was going to do before getting into college. You know, mm-hmm. I luckily had a path through college. Right. But, uh, I didn't have a path going into college. And so like, I want this podcast to be that for those people. Yeah. Well, I think it, like you said, if people can jump on and your, your library of guests and experiences and information is constantly growing with every new person you bring on, that's going to be a valuable resource to, to someone who was in your shoes, you know, in that position to, land the job that they want the career they need yeah absolutely like when we when we started this podcast one of the things was is i told the company or the the members of the team i was like this is not really gonna be an roi like we're real i anticipate zero you know outcome from this podcast directly coming to us as as some type of you know how are we gonna get customers from this how are we gonna get you know it's it's pretty much not gonna happen right um this is essentially to, to add back, like really the company that should be doing this podcast would be like a recruiting firm. It would be, um, well, there's another one that I always think about should be doing the podcast. But the point being is, is like, because of what we're talking about in reality, we should have a podcast talking more about automation and, and like ROI and, and different automation technologies and different, you know, uh, applications that we see our customers going with, which will probably come into the future, right? But like that will be the podcast that'll be 
more salesy, right? That'd be the podcast. Not 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 even salesy, right? But it's just more in alignment with what our company does versus mm-hmm. like a podcast like this where it's not it's not really in alignment. Like the best, you know, I mean the best thing we get from this is probably connections. And then like the next best thing is, you know, Sally Sue wants to work for us because they've seen the podcast and they're like, hey, I've watched all your guys' podcasts. Like, are y'all hiring people? I sure. would love to get into uh, you know automation. So like there is that aspect that where we can definitely see long-term value in it. But uh Yeah. Yeah. I think you can expand as you go, right? As as you build the brand and, and you're you you get more known in the industry and people trust you, they come to you for the information, they come to you for the the expertise and, and learning about people in the industry and all that. Uh it, it'll be easier, like we we talked about when you're when you're building a brand and you're you're building that equity to yeah. uh to switch, yeah. Or add. Yeah, add. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point I'm I'm definitely like one of those individuals that I see for future. We'll have probably six podcasts and all of them have some different niche about them that that makes them their own particular podcast. Uh different guests, different completely different questions, right? Like sure. even yeah, and also too, like as like as I go along with these, I'll probably get even better at the podcasting interviewing process because like say for like this this particular podcast we did we got into like marketing quite a bit and so there's a lot of things in that that may not be very super practical to people who are not in a marketing role or they might be uh you know maybe they're very practical to like a business somebody that's you know in some type of marketing uh role within their company but uh you know, so as you get as you get better with that process, like the questions will become more defined of this is who our audience is, this is who these are the type of questions that need to be asked, kind of the path and the story that we need to stay along. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really had it happen yet, I don't think, maybe just slightly, but like having a guest on and they're like trying to sell maybe sell their company. Mm-hmm. It's like this podcast is not about your company. This podcast is about you and how you got to where you're at and you starting your company or something like that. Right. Or becoming a sales rep in your company. Uh, So like that, that's a thing like as my job as a host, right. I got to define that and keep that going into, to the, the path and talking to the audience that we are anticipate talking to. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you, you know, bringing everybody to the table here and having these fruitful discussions. And, and, uh, I admire, I admire your, you know, the work ethic and, and to do it, it's, it's no easy undertaking to produce a podcast, just, just, just in its base form, you, you know, it's time, it's planning, it's, and everything and to stick with it and to, to brand it and to be on all the channels and make sure you have the resources. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's admirable. So, so Thank you. keep at it. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Do you have any last valuable uh, points to add back to the audience? Um, I would just say that, you know, assuming that this audience is manufacturing based, this man, this audience may be robotics and automation based. Uh, saw a few friendly faces in the the, the comments there. Uh, Sully and Vladimir as well. Oh, how's it going, Vlad? Sully. I would just say. I would just say, I guess, in closing that, and I just spoke about this at the uh, ARM annual meeting in Pittsburgh uh, yesterday, in fact, we are at an inflection point for robotics and automation. It, it is happening quick, more quickly now than ever before. And it's 
exciting on a number of fronts. Employment, there are more job opportunities in our space than ever before, which makes this podcast and learning about folks in it even more important. But there is so much opportunity when we all come together as a community to work together on these issues mm-hmm. that uh, I just look forward. I, I would just encourage everyone if you if you're on the periphery and you're not yet involved, and this isn't this isn't sales about come join A3. This is more like get involved with the people, right? Reach reach out to me, reach out to yourself, Malachi. Get involved on LinkedIn, join some groups. Um, comment on people's stuff, like on people's stuff. It's something I want to do more of, you know, when I'm on LinkedIn, I need to be, become more active. So I'm trying to work on that as well. I love interacting on LinkedIn, you know, I, uh, and and there are folks like you and, you know, J- certainly Jake and Chris and Nikki and folks I worked uh, at Automate Live in 2022. Yeah. They, they're they pushing me. I see them all the time. And, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm learning a lot from them. I say, okay, I need to get more. I need to get more active. So get involved, you know, um, it's a, it's a special time. There are going to be a tremendous amount of opportunities and robotics and automation is helping solve some of the most deeply entrenched challenges of our time. The yep. economic uncertainty we have, a, we have a hand in solving supply chain issues, certainly automation, warehousing work, we have a hand in solving, you know, and then of course, workforce and labor. That's something that I hear about all the time. And how many jobs do we are we creating right now as an industry? I mean, a, an incredible amount. Challenge is finding people. The challenge is marketing to people, telling them that these are good careers. And yeah. so, so let's go get it. You know, there's a lot to do, and there's there's absolutely. a lot of opportunity. So I'm excited about the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for being on today, Alex. Really appreciate your time and uh, your expertise, and you know, just deep involvement in our industry and connecting people. Well, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Oh, by the way, yeah, it probably ended. Where can people where can people uh, find you at? Uh, so they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search my name, Alex Shikani. They can go to automate.org and find me. Um, that's our website. Or my email is ashikani at automate.org. So they can reach me any any which way. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Malcolm. Take care.